This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Mike Young. Mike is the founder of Makeover Master, host of Made Over Podcast, author of Made Over, How to Create a Powerful Brand That Will Transform Your Business and Save Your Life, and a Seasoned Entrepreneur. Thank you for joining me today. Roman, thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and share. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your journey, kind of where'd you get started? Obviously, I know a little bit about your background, some of the things you overcame and pivoted, and how did you get to where you are in 2020? Yeah, man, I'm glad to share. Uh, you know, I, I started, I think, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I, I was always entrepreneurial minded, you know, like I always wanted to do my own things. I didn't really like other people's rules. I wanted uh, I think what a lot of people want, which is I want to play the game by my own rules and not have to answer to a traditional nine to five boss. You know, um, I ran a mortgage company from in the mid 2000s uh, up until 2008. And I found myself kind of thrust into sitting alone in a home office. Uh, the mortgage company was was failing. Um, I knew it. And so I, I said, look, I'm going to I'm going to recreate this on my own. Uh, we had 250 employees and 10 offices, a lot of complexity. I was getting a ton of emails. Um, I was at the office a ton and and I basically just got fed up with things and said, screw it. I'm going to do my own thing. And so I quit. And uh, and from there, I kind of had to reinvent the dream. You know, how do how do you play this online game? How do I recreate a brand with a small team? Um, really primarily doing something I love. Uh, and, and, you know, I kind of wanted what everybody wants, which is how do you get money to arrive in your bank account doing something you love? Um, and so that was kind of my backstory to, to where I started. And I began reading books, taking online courses and, and going that route to try and figure out how to play the game. And, and ultimately it ended up taking a long time for me and costing me a lot of money. Um, and now I help other people shortcut that. Yeah, that's awesome. And especially with obviously the global climate in terms of being in a business or a focus where you're enabled by just an internet connection, because I mean, in terms of getting into digital marketing, I got into it out of necessity in the 2008 recession, right after I graduated college and, you know, kind of ran with it and grew with it. And it's not been as impactful in terms of, you know, all the layoffs and firings and a lot of companies and businesses being closed. But as we spoke uh, offline, the only caveat is I have four foster kids that are here 24 seven, just going wild <laughs> and everything else is business as usual. I and mean, obviously there's some user behaviors that have changed online because people are spending more time online in different places. Like me personally trying to incorporate TikTok because the demographic has got a lot older in the last two months because people out of sheer boredom just downloading it and trying to figure out what it's about. Obviously, it's still like the Wild West, but I think it's important, like you said, to find something you love and also figure out maybe this is the perfect time to pivot into that love that you may have found. 
Yeah, you know, I find myself in a place today where like I'm super grateful for the last 12 years, really, like all that work that I put in and figuring out the, you know, how things work and how, you know, primarily, more importantly, how things don't work, you know. Um, and I, I chose to go like what I feel like now is I chose to go the long, hard road, um, which is trying to figure out everything yourself. Um, and ultimately, I ended up, you know, getting to a place where you know, I was I was eight and a half years into my own journey, uh, and I looked back and I'd spent over two hundred thousand dollars on books, courses, going to seminars, events, um, and, and still in 2014, 15, my business wasn't working. I was extremely frustrated. I was broke. I was depressed because when you invest that much money and that much time and effort, and it's still not working. Uh, it really comes to this point of like, okay, I need to do something different here. Um, so what happened for me is I hired a couple of mentors. I knew I knew I needed help in two specific areas. Um, and so I, I reached out, got some direct help and was able to, to completely unwind things that I was stuck on for almost a decade uh, in less than 18 months. I was able to kind of turn the whole business around in a short time. Yeah, I think it's important to surround yourself with like like-minded people that want to get to where you're going in terms of drive and direction and goals. And also, like you say, uh, said, find mentors or people that are maybe 5, 10, 15 years down the line where you want to get because it fast tracks that kind of learning curve and avoiding some of the mistakes that you may have go, going through or go through if you kind of take that journey alone and don't necessarily get that advice that the people have already went through that you know learning process. Yeah, 100%. I, I don't know if you saw it because it just came out. I think it just came out yesterday, which was uh, Joe Rogan's podcast with Kevin Hart. Oh, um, I was actually listening to it today. I started listening to it. The first 10 minutes is, is gold as far as why it's important to find somebody that's already made all the mistakes for you and hire a mentor, you know. Uh, they just go right into it right off the bat. Yeah, and then like the caveat of Joe Rogan and the importance of podcasting. He's been doing it for 11 years and obviously Spotify just got an exclusive licensing deal, which the value of it shows front end in terms of he's getting that 100 million. I think around back end is going to be maybe 120, 130 on the ad side that people aren't talking about. But then people don't necessarily see that Spotify's value jumped up $5 billion after they announced it 10% in terms of stock. So it shows value of creators and I think of the platform and sticking with something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think you nailed it on the head. Sticking with something is the is the key, you know. Uh, for so long I hopped around and and for me it, it was underlying mindset issues I had to deal with. Um, but but that hopping around is every time you make a shift, you're you're kind of starting over from scratch, you know. And so when you can pick something that taps into your energy that you're in alignment with and stick to it. Uh, you become you can be very good at it over time. It's it's kind of one of those things. It's like everybody sucks on day one. You know, it doesn't matter if you're learning to ride a bike, if you're learning to podcast. You, we all kind of uh, are not very good at a craft when we f first start out, and you just have to work through that phase because it happens for everybody. Yeah, and it's always a learning process. It's a growth in terms of me, in terms of digital marketing, even though I worked with over seven, uh, seven, 600, 700 clients, with Fortune 500 clients, and with the podcast, it's ever-changing and growing in terms of who I am as a host, who I am 
on shows. And I think it isn't a destination because if you have that mindset, you kind of jump into complacency. And I think complacency is the death of innovation. Yeah, you know, I think it's, I, I mean, it's fascinating as you talk, like to, to think about different traps that people fall into. Uh, one of them is hopping around. Um, another one is just like deciding what, what you want to do and kind of um, going after it. Like people try and perfect everything. And, and when in a world where there is no perfection, it's just like you have to, you have to kind of go into that with the mentality of, this is a never-ending journey and a never-ending process. I'm not, I'm not going to ever get to this magical arrival place that we all dream of where, oh, I sit around on my couch and drink margaritas or, or drink margaritas on the beach uh, and money just rolls into my bank account. That's just, the, the people that do arrive in that place, it's on the backbone of a decade's worth of hard work, you know? Yeah, nobody really sees kind of that hard work or... Even now, I mean, I go to bed usually at three or four in the morning. So, you know, I hang out after the kids are asleep with my wife or whatever. And then when she falls asleep, I sneak back down to my office and record content, edit audio, learn things and kind of constantly push myself because I think it's natural for human beings to form or fall into habits or patterns. A lot of the time, it's just like I said, complacency and then telling yourself maybe I'll do it tomorrow I'm tired today or tonight but I mean one thing you aren't guaranteed is time you may not wake up tomorrow if you don't start it tomorrow you know you never may know I mean it's one of those things that you know 10 20 30 years you regret you regret the things that you didn't try not the things that you did because if you did and failed at least use that as a learning experience and take that and move it to something that you will do uh, moving forward yeah and I think you I think you touched on two things that are great which is one is that the landscape is dynamic. It's always changing. So, and then the second thing is human beings fall are, are tremendously susceptible to falling into habits and patterns and routines. And so doesn't it make sense that if the, if the landscape is dynamic, that we figure out the things that aren't going to change. And, and some of the things that aren't going to change are why people, why people buy things in the first place and why, how human beings work in general in our, we're, we're always evolving, but the fundamentals of why we buy things, how we attract to certain brands those and, and people really in general, those fundamental differences aren't going to shift in our lifetime. Um, and so if you can, if you can figure out the foundation of why people buy things and, and how to, how to show up so that people attract to your brand and more importantly, the people you don't want to attract to you, they, they actually get discouraged from engaging with you. So if you can kind of create that, that dichotomy, you can really begin to attract your ideal clients consistently. Um, and I think that's a big portion of the game is figuring out what's not going to be dynamic so that you can tap into it. And, and when you figure out those fundamental basics, like your business starts to take off and it's just, it's one of those things we all have to kind of learn the, you, you, we have to learn it one way or the other. You can learn it the hard way and the long way of trying to figure it out all yourself and Googling and all that stuff. Um, or you can tap into somebody that's already done what you're trying to do and, and dramatically speed up your learning curve. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, one of the things that has kept me in digital marketing is that psychology component, understanding mm. what makes people tick. And at the end of the day, I mean, good marketing leaves or evokes emotion. So that's why you remember it. You connect to something that was impactful or gave you a warm feeling in your life. Obviously, same thing. There's some ads that try to drive you to grief or pain that also connect to it. But it's one of those things that you are remembered over your brand. And I think that's what good marketing is about. And like you said, it, you should be able to weed out the people that you don't want. I think yeah. also caveat of being on podcasts and having a podcast is explaining who you are so somebody or a customer can really connect to you. And it's a good fit because I think when a business starts, you're more likely to take almost every client dependent if they're toxic or not, or if they're a good fit just to pay the bills. But when you get a certain point in your business, you want that connection. So that business relationship is almost like, you know, a family or a friendship partnership. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things, if I could go back and do some things differently, I would have started with, with copywriting uh, sooner in my career because copywriting directly taps you into the psychology of everything and how human beings work. Um, and then you can really learn to, to, you know, at the end of the day, people buy based on emotions and instinct first. And then they justify it with logic. And so many entrepreneurs and small businesses that I work with have it the other way around. They're trying to promote their products and services with all the logic-based stuff, the features-based stuff. And, and that's not why people buy. And so once you can reverse the game on them and tap into their emotions and where they want to be, you start winning with your business. Um, you still have all the features and benefits and logic type stuff. It's just not, that's a different uh, center of their brain than their buying center. And so if you're on a sales call and you're just like, here's this feature and this feature and this feature, they literally can never buy from you because they're using a different part of their brain to interpret that information than, than where their buying center's at. Yeah, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed? I have two things. I, I really recommend that business owners should have, you, you've heard that old quote, like if you have a big enough why, you can get through any how type of thing. Um, I, I think business owners should have two whys. Uh, number one is kind of this deep-seated underlying personal why. Number two is like a, a, a why that kind of gets you excited to get up every morning. Um, and, and they can be different. And so for me, it was always if, my deep seated why was when I had kids and they were young, I still have kids, but they're, they're 13 and 11 now. But when they were really young, I said, I'm going to go after this kind of entrepreneurial dream. And if I quit, it shows my kids exactly what it looks like to settle, to not go after your dreams. And that was, that was more painful. The thought of that was more painful than quitting itself. So that deep seated why gets you through all the dark times, the times when you, you encounter real adversity or the times when you have to sell your car to pay your team. You know, like uh, I've done a lot of things in my in my 15 years um, and I only made it through the dark days because the thought of quitting was more painful than actually quitting itself. And then my, my second reason is my brother-in-law took his own life in 2015 and I kind of realized that there's so many people business owners, entrepreneurs are no different that are kind of on the edge of quitting. And sometimes when they're surrounded by people that love them and care about them, that would gladly help them. Uh, they're either thinking about quitting on something when they're three feet away from striking gold, or they're a lot of entrepreneurs, there are fairly high suicide rates in entrepreneurship. 
And so they're thinking about quitting on life when they don't recognize how close they actually are. They just need a little bit of help from somebody that knows what they're doing in marketing, advertising, copywriting, and kind of, kind of connect those dots. Because I think what I've found over time is that everybody I work with has a powerful story. It's just sometimes they're too close to it and they don't see their own awesomeness. You know, they're, they're not able to kind of see all the things they've accomplished, all the things they've gone through, and then be able to communicate that in a way to an audience so that the audience connects with them and then ultimately trust them and ultimately buys from them. Yeah, I agree. I think like that, that first thing with your kids, obviously, if you didn't have kids at that point, your why or that first motivation would be different because as you go on in life, that one changes. But like you said, there are high suicide rates of uh, entrepreneurs, startup founders, people kind of going at it alone. And I think it's important to put things into check and perspective. And I think just because something isn't working now, especially things like social media, so you're putting things out and there's no engagement. I think there's more people watching and not commenting and just following your brand. And if you have a story to tell, share it and it's impactful. I've had people reach out that, you know, were just acquaintances maybe 10 years ago and have said, you know, I love what you're doing in terms of like giving back. And at this point, you foster 20 kids or, you know, sharing your story or giving information freely or jumping on whatever. And there's been mo more of those instances of people silently watching and then reaching out than people actually engaging in terms of rates. So one, you don't know who is watching or what that may lead to. You know, I didn't want to go on TikTok. I started TikTok. That content is really focused about my experience as a foster parent and things I'm going through with my wife and some of the placements and the broken system. So actually somebody from a magazine in uh, New York City saw one of my TikToks and content contacting me about doing a story about what it's like to be a foster parent during uh, COVID. So that led, if I never jumped in and said, you know, TikTok is stupid, I think the moral of the story is test and try and you don't know who is watching or when an opportunity may arise. A hundred percent, the lurker, I call them lurkers. It's, it's, that's why you have to, that's why you have to stop hopping around with your ideas and you have to be deadly consistent and tap into something because the lurkers sometimes, our, our average client usually has followed us for about six months before they buy from us. And so if during that six months, I shift my business idea and I shift my business idea and I shift my messaging, like there's no way they can tap into it. They, they simply, it comes down to credibility. They simply don't believe that you do what you say you do because they've seen you move around three or four times. Um, so if you can be consistent, um, for whatever reason, the universe tends to reward consistency. Yeah, consistency. And like you said, everyone has a story to share or an expertise or they're good at something just because they're not good at what you're good at doesn't mean they don't have value. I think it's important. A lot of people are timid to share their stories on platforms like podcasts, but I think podcasts are more intimate in the sense that you can just dive comfortably in a topic. And it's not like a networking event where I'm like, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? Here's my business card and let's move on. It really jumps into it and it's more intimate. I've had people on my show that had really powerful stories, but it was hard to get it out of them. But I'm, but when they felt comfortable and safe, they really added a lot of value. And there was a lot of feedback from the audience that may have went through the similar things like they did. Yeah, I mean, there's a foundation. There's a foundation to the game being played. Um, and I think it's it's 
about a third of it is is emotional connection with you know that that particular brand or person or or business. Um, a third of it is trust that you actually are knowledgeable in your craft or your field. And then the the third component is authority, which is simply displaying proof that you actually do what you say you do. Um, I call it the spiral dynamics of your business image. It really is this this never ending journey of constant improvement to build upon that foundation. Always find ways to create connection with your audience by sharing the real real things that went on. You know, like if I speak in public, I might share a story from 2009 when when I remember I was my son was uh, about one and a half at the time. Uh, we're literally my wife and I. I remember what it feels like to have only ketchup in our refrigerator, and she she had had enough at this point. She just like, hey, we, you we got to go to the welfare office, you know, basically, and get some help. And I remember that feeling of like when I share this story, like just deep seated shame. Um, you know, I was supposed to be the man presenting, you know, my my wife protecting and and uh, I don't even know what the word is, but like I was supposed to be giving you know, income and security and all these things for my family. And I felt like a failure, you know? And so we're driving to the welfare office, we get a speeding ticket. Um, so I might tell that story. And when I do tell that story and I really tap into that emotion, I start getting choked up because it was super painful for me to like feel what it feels like to be an absolute failure, you know? And, and so you've got to tap into these little instances and in these stories so that people know that like the one of the reasons on Instagram people don't have success sometimes is they're they're everything's perfect you know the perfect photo the perfect lighting whatever and I think deep down human beings know that we're all kind of semi messed up in some way you know we all have twelve thousand conversations with ourselves a day and so when you present perfect it's kind of like Superman with no kryptonite it's like people don't believe it and and so they don't connect with you because they think. This, this can't be true that somebody's this perfect and not flawed. Yeah, I mean, social in general, especially like you said, Instagram is a highlight reel. You see all the vacations, you see all the, you know, family pictures, all the photoshopped images. But the things that are people are struggling with depression, anxiety, loss, different other things, things that, you know, they may be bankrupt or losing everything, but still putting up, you know, pictures like they have this, that or the other. And it's a, you know, false lens and it falls people into that kind of trap of seeing that and then comparing themselves to that. I think, I mean, that's a big pitfall in terms of kind of staying on your journey because you may have seen people that have came up with you in similar fields or the same field and have all these technical accolades that you know go along with reaching your goals and then your mind wanders you may have kind of a moment where you say you're not good enough and then you move away like you said you're so close to that success and you pivot or you just give up or something happens that forces you to that so i think it's important to not obviously it's hard because you get a dopamine hit in terms of you put something up and 100 people like it oh my god i feel important and you get that little high which obviously is documented but I think it's important to look past that. And I think the success of TikTok now, it a lot of the content is imperfect. There's a lot of people that you've not seen on Instagram. So a lot of people, influencers, if you want to call them influencers, but people, impactful people that have handicaps, that have struggled with something super imperfect, you know, people that, you know, aren't like the stereotypical things that society wants to focus on. And they're actually thriving because that that story needs to be told. 
Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'll spend the rest of my life focusing on three main problems, basically. I, I focus on knowledge over accumulation, uh, kind of what that does to your brain and how you end up not being able to tap into an idea because you, you've consumed too much. Um, the second one is is a business opportunity seeking virus that I call it. It's like you, you desperately want what somebody that's reached their pinnacle uh, they have clarity in their message. They have confidence. They're consistent. Um, so you want that so bad, you end up wearing 10x t-shirts and hats around, or or funnel hacker t-shirts or whatever, because that person wants what you have. Um, and then the third one you tapped into, which is a lot of times I, I call it internal fraud posting psychosis, which is like you're comparing somebody else's step 20 of their journey with your step two, and so you. You're posting all these selfies where you're trying to like live the dream or whatever, but behind the scenes you're falling apart and it creates a, an internal sense of fraud because every post and, and the hearts and the likes and those, those dopamine hits you talk about actually make it worse. So it's like every time I post and get a hundred likes and maybe it's a picture where I'm on a boat, let's say, or whatever. I get these dopamine hits, but at the same time, I know that my life's really not that way. So I feel just terrible about myself. I feel like I'm lying, not only to myself, but to my audience. And it's not the, it's not the best place to be in because it'll lead you crazy if you let it. Yeah, I agree. I, I have a thing where on uh, Instagram, if I'm somewhere on like a boat or I'm in someone's car, like a Porsche or Ferrari or Lamborghini, I'll put a disclaimer at the end of the uh, actual te text in the uh, comment. Like, this is not my car. You know, I'm just hanging out. You know, don't I'm not trying to like front or put up whatever. I so, usually make fun of that stuff, too. <laughs> it's yeah, like I mean, I try to literally disclaim myself. So people because people will jump to conclusions like, oh, yeah, this person one day he's in like Miami or in Iceland or Paris and he's just jet setting. I'm, no, I mean, oftentimes I have my laptop with me. I still have to check in on campaigns, teams, different moving parts. So like I don't think there's been one vacation where I truly was just like disconnected and people don't necessarily see that either. Right, right. Yeah. And and I think it's it's important to share those things. It's it's also important to not overshare. Um, because I, I think the one thing I try and get across to clients is that there's a million ways to win this game. You you can choose like for me, I'm I'm on a lot of podcasts because that's part of my overarching strategy. It feels easy to me to share my story, to share my insights. Um, that wouldn't work for somebody that's deathly afraid of being on camera or, or the sound of their own voice. Um, you can, you can go the route where you have this organic posting strategy and, and whatnot, or you can go the route of Sam ovens who made $30 million last year, which is he's got an advertisement to a working funnel and he, he doesn't post all that often about anything. And so there's, there's so many ways to play the game. It's about taking the ways and then figuring out who the business owner is and making sure those things align. Because if you wake up, and so much of it's like energy, it's like if you do things that give you more energy, just keep doing those. If you, if you find something's dragging your energy or dragging your focus or whatever, just you got to figure out ways to eliminate them from your life. Yeah, I agree. And I think that different ways of solving a problem or getting to a solution exist. And just because you don't do it like someone else doesn't mean you can't get to where they are or surpass them. And I think in terms of kind of like podcasting, it has to be your why. So I switched over to an interview format uh, March 2019. 
February of that year, the prior month, my grandfather passed away. That was, you know, a main role model in my life. And uh, he was around when I was growing up. My dad wasn't necessarily in the picture, that kind of thing. And I switched over to an interview format, I think, as part of my grieving process and hearing other people's stories and kind of the conversation went sometime, they lost someone. And it was that kind of like, it helped me heal in a way. And then it just became natural. So since that March, I've interviewed like 170 people and it's just been, you know, a, a break in the day and learning people's stories and people learning about me and then genuinely developing relationships that aren't only based on, you know, transactions. You know, I genuinely want to help people, connect people with, you know, other guests, if they're other podcasters, get them on other shows that I was. And it's just like, a legacy and a, and a help play for me and it's exponentially you know increased in terms of my brand indirectly because i'm not looking because when i go on i'm looking to add value not plug my product service or business a million times and when you do that for the right reasons you get a lot further in my opinion yeah and i think i think there there is an important uh points to the organic posting phase I, I call it it's like you're you're going through this thing where you're posting and whatever part of that's just discovering your voice you know in the in the infancy of running a business you're you're repeating a message over and over and over again you can do it through podcasts you can do it through posting but you got to get to the point where you're not doing it for the engagement you're not doing it for the sales you just you you end up arriving in this place where like okay i know what I believe in and who I am and what I stand for and what I stand against. And, and then it becomes a little bit more fun because you're not trying to figure yourself out all the time. Um, but, but you nailed it on the head is like part of the journey is, is really discovering who you are and what you stand for so much that it feels, feels natural and normal to get up and wake, wake up and work, want to work every day. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's that authenticity because I think we already mentioned it, but there's that imposter syndrome that people have a habit about kind of hyping up their experiences. Or oftentimes I've had people where I had, had to fact, fact check stuff after the fact where they talk about or allude to things or who they want to be in five, 10 years, not who they are or what they've experienced in the past. So it's like that kind of balance and you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because I mean, there's a lot of people that listen and, and fact, fact check my episodes. I mean, I've had, it wasn't necessarily a legal issue, but I've had one person that had 50 franchises at once. And then there was all these lawsuits. Now they're down to five, but they still claim they, they the way they word things. It's like they're, you know, nationwide. And I had like a consumer watchdog group reach out to me. I mean, I actually like address and appease them in terms of some of the changes I made to that episode. But everywhere else, it's still, you know, major publications around the country still state it like that. And I think when you do that, you do yourself a disservice and with social media and the internet, you will kind of get caught in that trap eventually. I think you, you tapped on two things. One is authenticity, which just means if, if you're yourself 24 seven, 365, you don't have to worry about this bullshit that's going on with so many people where they're, they're kind of fibbing things or they're tweaking things all the way. Just be yourself. That's huge. The other one's relationships is so many people, what I'm finding today, they're trying to automate every part of their funnel. They're trying to use many chat bots. So they're trying to, they're trying to automate things that were never meant to be automated because all business still comes through other people. All money comes from other people's bank accounts into yours for an exchange in value. And so 
if you're going to use a podcast, if you're going to have lead magnets, if you're going to use advertising, it still comes down to tapping into relationships. Because at the end of the day, we're, it's still two humans working together. And I think so many people, either for whatever reason, they're fearful or they have insecurity issues or whatever it is, they, they're not putting themselves out there in a real enough way that they end up connecting with people and, and just solving problems. Like so much of this game is, is focusing on the basics of business, which is, are there people out there that have a problem I can solve? How do I solve that problem? What do I charge for it? How does it work? And if I can solve enough problems for people, I'll have a, a thriving business. And so, I mean, I think that's always the answer. When people get stuck, there's, there's three fundamental issues when businesses get stuck. There's four primary problems that create those three issues. But, but primarily, I just tell them, help more people. If you're stuck, go help more people because all of a sudden you can turn things around very, very quickly if you start connecting with people. I think there's there's an issue where a lot of people put a lot of general content behind uh, pay gates. So it's just like things you can Google and find yourself charge either with courses or like you said, through, you know, an automated, you know, funnel kind of drip campaign and people get dissuaded or discouraged and see that and become kind of numb to that. Yeah, and, and even the pay gate doesn't even have to be a pay gate. It could be just asking for their email. But if you're if you're typing out the six ways that you can lose weight fast um, in in this environment or whatever, and you're asking for an email for something I can easily Google, like you're already losing trust with your audience because they're like you're asking for something from me for something I can easily get for free um, without giving you my email without opting in, and so. It doesn't always have to be a pay gate. It's like though when you're asking for something, you better give a tremendous amount of value in exchange. Yeah, I mean, I personally like or ha will have a conversation with someone that isn't maybe an ideal client or doesn't have the marketing spend because I don't want them to get screwed over and then they have a bad taste about digital marketing in their mouth in general, like it's some kind of you know snake oil salesman con artist kind of industry and a lot of the time somebody will come and you know this is the proposal i got and i would be you know this is straight trash you're not getting any value you're dropping money it's not adding value to your brand or your overall goal to reach who you're trying to reach and kind of give pointers and direction give as much information for free but i'm still the expert i still have this experience in in the trenches working on campaigns building teams running teams that you can go at it alone or go somewhere else but i almost 100 guarantee you that i will work harder go harder and have a better knowledge set than where you're gonna go so eventually give them the right information but eventually they may refer you to someone that may have the budget or just building a genuine relationship like you said 100 it comes down to like one thing really which is do the right thing and so it's like when you i had a client last week that came uh it, it was a, a client that we'd worked with before and he said i might my website's not converting right now i think i want to rebrand it i think i want to change the look and change some colors and whatever and I had to just tell him, like, I'm not going to take your money for that because that that stuff is not why it's not converting. It's it has nothing to do with the colors you you select. I mean, it's it's a micro portion of maybe conversions, but I'm like, I'm not going to rebrand this and take your money because I know it's not going to have a direct impact on the thing you're actually asking for, which is more revenue. And so, 
if you can do the right thing consistently by people, over time you build that trust and relationship with your audience and, and with your actual clients. Um, you, you typically arrive in a place where you don't need advertising because you, you've just got such a referability factor by doing the right thing consistently over time. Yeah, I agree. And it's one of those things where you're in the driver's seat to help people. I've sat through and, you know, senior, you know, director, agency, tactical marketing roles where I'm at a pitch at a client and the, you know, owner or the co-owner of the company or the VP of sales is pitching something that I know I clearly will not sell. And it's like against my moral fiber, obviously no longer at those places but it's like you need a new website and it's 100k i mean you can get this built for a thousand dollars really or get you know a kid that has basic knowledge of wordpress to do it for you and it's like you're just selling just for your bottom line it's not adding any value and it's not going to cultivate or develop or grow that business relationship either yeah 100 percent so what's one thing we may have actually covered, but you may overlap or say something else, but one thing you may have had in the past that you saw as a weakness in yourself that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? I think I think there's always like a, a yin and yang to everything. Like there's always two sides. Um, I think for me, my greatest strength is has always been empathy. Like I'm able to really connect with people, but it's also my greatest weakness. It's... It's created sometimes in business where I help people when I shouldn't. Um, sometimes I, I almost almost become an enabler because I care so much, I wanna help them so much, I, I try and do things for them and then, and then it doesn't help them grow. And so I've, had to, I've really had to learn over time and cultivate that skill and, and allow people to go through some of the struggle on their own. It's like you, you help clients with direction, you help speed up their learning curve um, you don't always bail them out. Sometimes you got to let them struggle a little bit to get the answer so that they can build their own foundation, their own strength, their own character. Um, one thing I, I didn't, I mean, I kind of touched on is with so many business owners that there, there's a lot of, a lot of things I see in the business world today. But one of the things is, is most people think I need more clients and more leads, which is true. But they don't ever focus on what are the what are the reasons that my business is stuck and it's not working. Part of it's alignment and energy and, and making sure things are in alignment with the owner. But it does kind of come down to are consistent leads coming in? Are they the right leads? Are you able to close the leads you've got? And so one thing I touched on that I didn't go into is, is there's hundreds of reasons that those issues get created, but it primarily comes down to four. And if you solve these four, you usually have a winning business. Um, number one is credibility issues. People see your stuff and they simply don't believe that you're good at what you say you're good at or they're confused. Um, number two is closing ability on the phone. So like you actually get a lead, but you can't close them. Uh, most people are feeding features and benefits and logic at people. And, and like we mentioned, that's not their buying center. Um, you know, number number three, I would say copy issues. So it's like their copy and their offer just sucks. It's not tapping into those emotions. People need to, to be convinced to just take the next step with the business. Um, and then number four, I would just say is the process. Um, and it kind of goes into the relationships thing. Is that, I think we've all had like that Facebook messenger where it's like, hey, nice to meet you. And their next sentence is like, would you like to buy my thing? 
And it's like that that makes me feel assaulted. So they're skipping steps in the process. Or I've seen it the other way where people have 112 steps in the process when there only needs to be seven. And so if you can get credibility, copy and offer issues and in, in your copy uh, right, you can get the process and the flow right, and then you can close on the phone, you, you generally have a winning business. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes you, it's three out of the four or, you know, one yeah. out of the four. It's like, you need to be somewhat consistent across the board to really see growth. And I, and I think too many people today are trying to become an inventor, simply sell what the market's already buying. You know, there's, there's very, very low success rate and very few inventors that actually invent something new. It's like if, if people are buying marketing and advertising for their business, carve out your niche in that business in your own specific way with your own unique story and people will still buy from you. It can be the same product and services uh, as everybody else, but at the end of the day, people buy from people. And that's why that, that emotional connection um, and sharing your story and tapping into that essence is so important because people aren't buying your marketing services many times. They, they're buying because they like you. They're buying because they like who you are, what you represent, your values and your story in some way. You just happen to offer marketing and advertising services in your own unique way. Um, so I think it's just important to like, there, there's so many factors on why this stuff works and why it doesn't and a million tweaks. But if you have those important whys, you can make it through all those course corrections, course corrections and adjustments to get to where you want to be. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you may leave with the audience, personal or professional? I would say it's okay to ask for help. Um, for so, so like, I think I grew up in a generation that's like, don't cry, don't show your emotions, don't ask for help type of, you know, be a man. Um, it's okay to raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm stuck, I'm frustrated and ask for help. And, and the trick, if there is, if there is a secret to this entire game, it's get clear on what you want find somebody that's already done what you're trying to do and ask them for help. Hire them as a mentor, hire them as a coach, buy their products and services, surround yourself with that person in whatever way you can and model their habits and their behaviors and their thought process. And you'll quickly start to see your results begin to shift. And so it's like, I don't, I don't hardly ever today say, I really want this and then try and figure it out on my own. It's like, if I really want six pack abs, I'm going to go find somebody with six pack abs and ask them how they got theirs. Yeah, I agree. Certain things like in terms of digital or leading a team, I also like to take the approach where if they ask for something, I would at least want them to try it once. I don't mean like just, just destroy it or go to the point where they're going to go crazy, but at least try it and maybe not understand. And then obviously show them because teaching them instead of doing it for them is going to go a lot longer than just keep doing it over and over again and having them come back to you every time. Yeah, same thing. If you're running a team and, and it's like if, if they encounter a problem, it's like, okay, what's, what's the problem? What have you already tried? And then what do you think is the most appropriate solution? And get your team answering those questions. And because because if you don't do that, if they just bring in new problems and you're always solving it, you're you're not really technically delegating, you're just enabling. And so you, you have to have like this framework for these foundations so that your team's actually growing alongside you. Yeah, I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? 
Yeah, man. Uh, they can find me on my website, themakeovermaster.com. Uh, I'm also personally on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Roman, thanks for having me, man. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.